0: Welcome to We Are Family. I'm Julia Dennison. On each episode, you get to hear my conversations with some of the best-known and well-loved faces around as they share the beautifully unique, often hilarious, and absolutely fascinating ways they live their family lives. This week, we're paying another visit to my interview with the wonderful actor, producer, and TV host, LeVar Burton. LeVar shared so much about growing up with an absent father, how his family shaped his career path, and how he's proud of the relationship he's developed with his son. This is a son he didn't even know existed. Enjoy!
1: Family is the reason for everything, you know? And to bring honor to the family name is of huge importance to me. I believe in the strength of family and of lineage and all that that encompasses right? The idea that we are handed from our ancestors the tools, genetics, even values, even life experiences come to us encoded in genetic material. And that is an inheritance that I take rather seriously.
0: So, hello. Welcome to We Are Family. We're here with LeVar Burton, actor, director, Emmy Award-winning children's TV host, novelist, best known for his appearances on Roots, Reading Rainbow, and Star Trek Next Generation. He now has a podcast, LeVar Burton Reads. Lavar, welcome to We Are Family. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: It's my pleasure, Julia. It's lovely to be here.
0: So the first thing I always think of is that uh, scene in the episode of Community when Donald Glover's character, Troy, <laughs> meets you and you're absolutely his idol. And he's so starstruck that he can't do anything but stare at you. He's, he's so shook. And I feel like I totally relate to that uh, as, you know, a kid growing up in the 80s watching Reading Rainbow. Um, you are such an icon. Do you get that all the time? What's it like being LeVar Burton walking down the street?
1: It, I have to say that it does happen with the bizarre frequency, and it never ceases to tickle me and blow me away. And then sometimes, it, I sometimes people have been known to literally burst into tears and not be able to speak, and it's uncomfortable for all of us. And and so I just encourage the person to breathe. It's wild, um, and it's real. I. I I get it. I get it in the in the sense that I can relate to it just from my own experience. Like Sidney Poitier, to me, has been um, a consistent guidepost my entire life. And I was I don't know why I was thinking about this this morning in the shower that after Roots, I um, got a call to come and meet Sidney Poitier and i i i I couldn't do it. I could not face my hero, so I feigned sickness this morning when I was thinking about it. I was like, "Wow, the ways in which we self sabotage right, simply because we don't believe ourselves to be worthy of our heart's desire and um and that was certainly an instance for me where I was not able to handle the influence that this man had on me, and I did not. I, I did not trust myself that I would know how to respond in the moment of meeting him. So I I, I think I get it, and and so I you know I tr- I try and be as uh, as 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 graceful and humorous um, uh, with it as as I possibly can because it is funny. I mean, and, and the, and, and Donald Lover, you know, sort of, um, made it okay for everybody who feels that way to just be okay with it. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I, you know, I, I engage. I, um, I ask the person to breathe. Sometimes there's a hug involved. Um, it's all good.
0: Okay, well, that's good, because I might, I might meet, need to be told to breathe a little bit throughout this, because I was telling my friends, I was like, I might start crying. It, it's that nostalgia, it's that, you know, um, yeah. you influence so many lives and, you know, so many. At a, at a particular age,
1: right? I think right. That's, that's a large part of it, too, that, as you say, the nostalgia of it all. Speaking of nostalgia, this is a podcast about family,
0: so I'd love to hear a little bit about your family. Can you start with talking us through your childhood? Um, You grew up in an army base in Germany, is that right?
1: I was born on on an army base in Germany, yeah, and then uh, we went back to Germany for another tour of duty when I was in the third and the fourth grade, and we came back to the states initially uh, after I was born. Like I was a year and a half in age, and so obviously I don't remember that tour, but the the second Germany tour is is where my parents' relationship. Uh, exploded um, mm. or imploded, depending upon your point of view. From from my perspective, it was an explosion. It was loud. It was violent. It was it felt like a dangerous environment. And so after that tour, I was raised with my mother and my younger sisters and didn't really have much contact with my father until after Roots. And so that's been a, you know, sort of a, that's uh, been a journey. The finding a place of balance in my relationship with him Mm. where my mom and my younger sisters are concerned. I mean, they, when I think of, of immediate family, they're obviously who I think of um, most immediately.
0: So you grew up in a house full of women then. (laughs)
1: I did. And and <laughs> interestingly enough, at present, my daughter, who's 27, Mika, um, mm-hmm. lives back at home now. She has for a couple of years. It was it's, it was wonderful um, having her uh, so close during lockdown.
0: Oh, yeah, I bet.
1: And my mother-in-law, Donna, uh, also lives with us. So uh, once again, I am swimming in estrogen in my life. A <laughs> um,
0: village of women. I love it, though. It,
1: it, <laughs> and you know what? I, I guess... There's a part of my soul that is really comforted by the presence of women. And I'm good with that.
0: I love that. And um, so how do you think that or your childhood generally influenced your career path? Because at first you wanted to be a priest. Is that
1: right? Well, all the, all the men on my father's side of the family are soldiers and ministers. And, um, and the women on my mother's side of the family are social workers and teachers. And so I, I feel like I straddle them both right having studied for the catholic priesthood and really had a, an interest in a life of service inside of a of an organized you know effort Catholicism, and then the the teaching aspect. I, I really feel like I am able to fulfill that part of my genetic inheritance with the storytelling that I do in 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 film and television and, and electronic media. So, like I said before, I I think that we receive these gifts of genetic inheritance, and it's interesting to see how they play out in our lives.
0: And also, just you speak so highly and beautifully of your mother.
1: Well, I'm I'm, I'm not the man I am without without her. Right. She was my first teacher. Um, She was my biggest cheerleader. She believed in me and that caused me to believe in myself. So wonderful.
0: What what kind of lessons do you think your mom instilled in you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first one that comes most immediately to mind is don't write any checks with your mouth that your ass can't cash. That's a good one. And that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. (laughs) She also taught me, you know, the value of working hard, of doing one's best, no matter what the task, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you're sweeping the garage floor, you know, make this the best swept garage floor in the history of garage floors. She also taught me the world would sometimes be hostile. To my presence simply because of the color of my skin. And I think that as uh, a single mom of a Black male child, uh, that was one of the most important things she could have taught me.
0: Yes, I want to hear more about that, because obviously we talk a lot of parents about talking to your kids about race. And I always say that that is often a a privilege that white people experience because they can opt into speaking Mm -hmm. about race. But for Black children, it's not always an option. It's not an option at all, really. How did your mom broach that subject
1: with you? From every aspect imaginable, really. From the idea that she worked as hard as she needed to to be able to put us through private schools, parochial schools, which was the best education. As an as an educator, Irma Jean knew where the best education available was, and it's a par- primary reason why. I grew up in California and not in the Midwest, not in Kansas City, Missouri, where she grew up. She really sought California out for raising her family as a place where they could grow, develop, flourish, even rise to their highest level of potential without a lot of the obstacles that she encountered growing up where she did. I mean, you know, my mother was both a child of the Depression and survived Jim Crow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So those events shaped her life. She was the first person in her family, in her in, in our family tree to go to and graduate from college. My mother, right? Mm-hmm. So the the value of education as a leveler of the playing field, absolutely cardinal value, she passed on to me. Education was going to give me the opportunity to compete on a level playing field with what I call my melanin challenged brethren and sistren, white people, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and she was serious about that. Get the best education you possibly can in all aspects in all instances.
0: Mm. And so, and you have a really uh, great quote you've said before about. Um, you said there was an America before Roots mm. and an America after Roots. And you said our story was finally being told.
1: Well, look at the conversation we're having now in this country about, about what we are no longer going to require our kids to learn. And I'm just, I am forever mystified by America. And it's... Um, difficulty in seeing itself clearly. And so, yes, the story of of slavery in America had never been told from the point of view of the Africans before, never been told from the point of view of the Black people. Before Roots, we were able to tell ourselves um, as a nation that slavery was this necessary economic engine. And for the most part, avoiding the Conversation or even entertaining the idea of the human cost of that brutal institution was never really a part of the, the equation. Roots blew the roof off of that ability to stay blind. Roots came and shone a huge spotlight on the institution and the damage that it did. Not to everybody on both sides of the color line. It's why I believe in the power of storytelling so fervently, because stories stories are what informs us. It is our stories, the stories that we tell each other that set the table for who we are, why we're here, what the purpose of life is. And I think probably the most important uh, uh, of these questions is what is my own individual contribution going to be? To this thing called life. I believe we are all here for a really specific purpose, that we have come to make a contribution. And it's up to us as human beings to, as we grow and, and develop and mature, discover what it, it is that we are supposed to contribute. And I believe further that it has everything to do with our passions. It is our passions that drive our destiny, is my belief. And so when you figure out who who you are and what it is you're supposed to do, then y- you do whatever is necessary to deliver that gift, and that's the nature of this thing called life. And 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 so these are these are not unimportant lessons.
0: Um, and there's another beautiful quote about your mom that I've read from you that says, "Everything I've done in the field of literature and learning is in tribute to my mother." I think that's that's so
1: wonderful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, Irma didn't simply read to us. I have two sisters when we were kids. She read in front of us. So I, 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 I grew up in a household where reading was as normal as breathing. And I think that, that that primary example is really critical for kids. Parents ask me all the time, how do I get my child to read more? And I, I generally ask them a couple of questions. One, um, does your child see you reading? To what degree do you model the behavior that you so desperately want your child to develop a habit for?
0: (laughs) Such a good point. Because so often we kind of go off to our corners after they go to bed and read. At least that's when I'm reading.
1: Right? And then the other question I ask parents is what's your child passionate about? Because again, it is our passions that drive our reading appetites. It's our passions that That are the engine that drives the train of so much of who we are uh, as potential and what we become uh, in reality. And so I think that all-important example and an awareness that if your child likes comic books or superheroes, if your child likes superheroes, then buy your kid comic books. I don't care what the gateway drug to becoming a reader is. You know, I, right. I just want I just want kids to
0: read. <laughs> right. So I love that so lean into what they actually like. You don't yes. have to like <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's so beautiful to hear you talk about your mother. And I'm so sorry to hear that you lost your mother um in twenty eighteen and your sister at the same time same time. Yeah,
1: and my sister, my younger sister, uh six six months later. Oh my gosh. They were yeah, they were really connected. My my younger sister was the surviving member of a set of twins, and so she and my mom had this incredibly powerful bond, um, and they 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 actually went within within six months of one another, um, which made a lot of sense to those of us in the family. That's that's just been so incredibly difficult. I'm so sorry, but also at the same time, really beautiful that those two souls on on this journey right in this lifetime on on this earth plane they were so connected that that there wasn't a whole lot for them to accomplish once one of them was gone i i i i find enormous beauty in that idea
0: Yeah, I'm curious to talk a little bit more about your experience as a father and, and now as a as a grandparent.
1: <laughs> Being a grandparent is awesome. Is that the best? It's the best. It really is. Uh, I, I I love it. Sierra is just a, a ball of a ray of light, this child.
0: How old is she now?
1: She just turned 19. Twenty. No, she's twenty now. She's yeah. twenty. Is she in college? Yes, yeah, she is. She's a junior um, at a liberal arts school in um, on the West Coast. Oh, yeah. very cool. It must
0: have been tough, though, because right in the middle, she's been trying to do college right in the middle of this pandemic.
1: It's been difficult on this whole generation of of kids um, who have had just the wackiest educational experience imaginable. Right. Um, and they're learning so much about life, Um in the process, how there are things that happen that are absolutely out of our control and how important it is to do our best to stay on task and how important it is to give ourselves a break and recognize that we're all going through something pretty significant together and and how important it is to honor how difficult life has been these past 14, 15 months. Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
0: So talking about your own fatherhood journey, so your your son um found out you were a father when your son was three, is that right? hmm
1: Can, can mm-hmm. you
0: talk about that experience? What was that? What was it like meeting him for the first time?
1: Um, scary, <laughs> as as I recall. You know, the journey that Ward and I have had as father and son, it has been deeply personal. Um and the thing that I am most proud of is the relationship that 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 we have fought through all kinds of obstacles to have the relationship that we enjoy today, and I'm I'm really I'm enormously proud of that. As a man who who still has somewhat of a conflicted relationship with my own father, the the quality of the nature of the relationship that I have with my son is hugely important to me.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if, you know, growing up with this sort of lack of father figure or having experienced your father, did that, did you go into fatherhood and did you have ideas of how you wanted to be as a father?
1: As as I look at it, you know, I've had to figure out um, how to be a man, how to be a husband and how to be a father um, with with without an example to follow in my family. And so you know like like we're all making it up as we go along parenting <laughs> <It's> right true
0: <laughs> we're here at parents.com to try and help you a little bit but ultimately i always say that nobody is an expert at being yeah. a parent you might be an expert in sort of parenting topics Right.
1: but, <laughs> but really get real um, Yeah. we're just we're just doing the best we can um and 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 so for me, at the end of the day, it's, it's the, the mistakes are as important as the victories. I've learned at, at least as much, if not more, from my failures as I have from my successes. Um, and And that certainly applies to being a parent. You know I think <laughs> I, I, I look back to the days when you know families had seven, eight, ten, twelve kids. And so, nice. so you had a lot of practice but believe me a- after a time there are there a lot of families where it was the elder kids who were raising the younger ones mm-hmm. it's it's not yeah. a cliche it does take a village it it's because yes. being a whole human being becoming a whole human being is a huge undertaking mm-hmm. and and i think to to you know to put up upon ourselves as parents the idea that you know that we have to know everything, and that we have to you know be right all the time, or that we have to be perfect in the expression of, of of parenting. Give yourself a break. That's that's just an impossible standard to live by.
0: It can be so isolating,
1: parenthood. I find,
0: and that's you know why I think shows like Reading Rainbow were so probably wonderful for my parents, and mm. and even now, and why they are so timeless, why it's so yeah. timeless as a show, because it does sort of give that support to parents. Yeah. You know, it's like. Right. Gives you that break, but also feels like you're, that your kid's in good hands with a show like Reading Rainbow.
1: Well, I think it's it, it, it really is incumbent upon parents to choose the allies um, that we employ to help, to assist us in service of raising our kids. We have to be discerning as parents in terms of the, the influences. J- just like, you know the food that they eat the amount of rest that they get the you know the amount of fresh air and clean water and you know all of those things are choices that we make as parents and mm-hmm. and so the especially in a world that is dominated by media influences we need to to teach our children media literacy we need to to teach them how to discern between that which is good and healthy for them and that which is just kind of filler
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: And that—that's—that's that's something. That's a responsibility that I—I I, I think that um, not enough of us are really paying attention to right now. Because it is easier to just default to handing the kid the the, the tablet, um, so you can get um, you know a much needed fifteen minutes to yourself.
0: Yeah. But there's definitely been a lot more research around those nuances of quality media consumption and the importance of consuming it with your child. We talk about that a lot. Um, So, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think shows like Reading Rainbow really started that conversation. And then we continue to have it today.
1: Well, the oldest technology of books is, is really really responsible for the imprinting of the behavior because that lap experience of sharing literature with a child, it communicates so much, that moment of intimacy, holding the child in the lap, showing the pictures, reading the words aloud. There's so much being communicated in that moment about who we are as human beings and what we are about, that same opportunity exists with the tablet, but the tendency is to hand the tablet to the kid and, and and sort of check out a little bit. I do believe that at that critical foundational age during those initial exposures, the parent in that process as a part of that process is critically important.
0: Absolutely. Well, LaVar, thank you so much for coming on the show. I just wanted to, to um, before we say goodbye to you, I just wanted to um, hear a little bit about, about who, what, what, what is your village today? I mean, is there anybody that wow. you're not directly related to that you would consider oh, yeah. to be part of your family? Oh, yeah,
1: um, absolutely. a <laughs> list goes Absol- on and on it's, and on. It's a pretty substantial list, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a list that has been curated over time. And at this point in my life, I I recognize that I am so fortunate to have the people in my life, blood relatives and relations by choice, that support me and and hold me to account uh, and encourage me to be the best person that I can be, and I lean on them heavily to keep me headed in the right direction.
0: That's wonderful. And so coming out of the pandemic, I feel like it's changed, or it's reshifted a lot of our priorities Um, as parents, as families. We realize really what matters most in life. Do you feel that you've changed
1: sort of? Focus. I've changed focus. Before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, I was on a plane about almost every week, every other week. I did a lot of traveling, and the pandemic was a pattern interrupt that, that probably saved my life because i was I was living at a pace that was unsustainable julia and and I recognize that now, so i 'm making a supreme and conscious effort to you know to stay home um, and not travel so much, and I've put it out there to the universe to support me and supporting my family while not traveling so often.
0: Right, well there's so much we can do right now, I mean having this conversation. <laughs>
1: And that's been the response. Yes, 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 yes. You can. Yes, it is possible. Yes,
0: and it's wonderful. So you have your wife Stephanie at home. Mm-hmm. You've got your daughter, and you right. your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law it's- Donna mm-hmm.
1: and Rini, the miniature poodle. <laughs> it's
0: part of families too.
1: She just turned two, oh, so cute. just just earlier this week. So yeah, yeah. That that is the that is the core of the of the family here at home. Um, and my family extends to circles um, beyond my my core as well, and and they yeah. are important to me too.
0: And so lastly, what are your kind of hopes for your family in the next
1: come few years? What are your priorities that you're focusing on? Well, I, I want to continue to see my, my children and, 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 and grandchildren and all the, the nieces and nephews flourish and move toward their full potential. There's still a, a, a lot of things that I feel like I I want to accomplish in terms of what I believe my purpose here to be as a storyteller, and I I want to spend a a, a considerable amount of time lying on a beach.
0: <laughs> I mean, you deserve it. You only influenced a whole entire generation to become better people, with I I
1: I want some I want some serious beach time. Um, yeah. That's what I'm visioning for myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, absolutely. Well,
0: yes, I'm with you there on the beach time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lavar Burton, this has been such an, a pleasure to meet you and speak to you here and talk about your family. Thank you oh. so much for taking the time to be in with our family. We've just been so happy to have
1: you. I have I really enjoyed the time that we've spent together here, Julia. I appreciate you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with LeVar Burton. Join me next time on We Are Family for more great discussions about family life today. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash podcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione, and thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family.